Daphne Caruana Galicia. Caruana Galicia. Killed when a bomb exploded. Connected to the aggressive work she had done calling out corruption in Malta. Internationalist consortium of journalists is scrutinizing Malta as part of the so-called Daphne project. The group Forbidden Stories, an international network of journalists designed to finish these stories and the investigations. Implicated certain senior government officials in acts of corruption and wrongdoing. Keep pushing the Maltese authorities. We will keep pushing them. No stone should remain unturned. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming. Thanks for your interest. This was a video of the Daphne project produced for World Press Day, which is today. And uh, we are three weeks um, after we started reporting um, on Daphne's stories, and six, six uh, months after our colleague Daphne Carana Galizia got killed in Malta. My name is Lena Kampf. I work for WDR Television in Brussels and Berlin. My name is Anushka Delic. I work for the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, or OCCRP, and I'm based in Slovenia. Um, we were both part of the Daphne project, together with 45 journalists from 18 different countries, um, uh, who came together to continue Daphne's work after she got killed. Uh, the project was organized by Forbidden Stories. Um, it's a non-profit media organization uh, founded by French journalist Laurent Richard. And its goal is to, to continue to finish, um, to, to complete the work of imprisoned or killed journalists. So who was Daphne Carana Galizia? She was Malta's best-known investigative journalist. She was 53 years old when she died. Um, and she left behind three sons, adult sons and a husband. Her blog, Running Commentary, had up to 400,000 uh, visitors daily, and that's almost as many in inhabitants as Malta has. Uh, she had previously worked for the Malta Independent and the Malta Times, and she was actually the first female journalist who had a regular column in a newspaper. And when she started 27 years ago, people thought that her husband wrote them for her. 
She reported on money laundering, on corruption, and she had been threatened for years. Twice, her house had been set on fire, her dog had been killed, they slit her thro his throat and put them on a doorstep. She had been physically harassed. And in the past years, political actors had called on the public of Malta to take photos of her wherever she went. So she couldn't walk in the streets of Valletta, Malta's capital, um, anonymously anymore. When she went to the beach, she was photographed in her bikini and, uh, and the photos were circulated on, on social media. So she was really targeted as a journalist, as a, an aggressive journalist, but also as a woman. There were also libel suits against her. Um, her accounts were frozen. And Reporters Without Borders did a report and they concluded that Daphne Kanra Galizia was subjected to systematic and escalating intimidation and threats by government officials and their aides. On 16th of October 2017, while she was sleeping, um, a bomb got attached under her car seat, under, her, under the, uh, the driver's seat of her car. And she spent the morning with her son Matthew at home. And when she um, left the house because she had to go to the bank, um, because her accounts were frozen, she couldn't do it on the phone, she didn't trust uh, that she, she thought she was monitored, she had to go there personally. So when she got into her car at about three o'clock in the uh, in the afternoon, the device was triggered by a remote detonator and the car exploded a few hundred meters from their home. Her son Matthew was the first one to arrive at the scene and he found the remains of, her, of his mother. The project, the Daphne project started um, shortly after Daphne Kroana Galizia was killed just meters away from her house. Laurent Richard, the founder of Forbidden Stories, uh, reached out to Reuters, Stephen Gray, to um, uh, Bastian Obermeier from Süddeutsche Zeitung, and they decided that something needs to be done. Um, then, in, uh, at the end of November, at the Global Investigative Journalism Conference, uh, OCCRP also joined the project, along with the Italian Investigative Reporting Project, IRPI. We sat down and we sort of outlined um, this project. Um, soon after, The Guardian came on board and many others, uh, all together in the end, 18 media organizations. And um, we started working hard um, and we had one meeting in Paris where we discussed the many leads that Daphne left behind and the the huge amounts of work that needed to be done. So we divided amongst each other. Some of us went to Malta to interview the family, to talk to sources on the ground. There was reporting done in, in, in Brussels, for example, um, uh, research done in Brussels. Um, and we went through thousands of emails, documents, um, and data um, that also was left behind by Daphne. Um, we worked on a secure uh, encrypted collaborative platform provided by uh, OCCRP and signal groups. And uh, we followed several leads. There were, on the one hand, the stories that Daphne had reported and already published, and we wanted to dig deeper and independently verify um, what, she had, what she had reported, um, but also to see if there were some connections uh, uh, to her murder. 
And then there was the murder investigation um, itself, um, because we thought we had to keep the pressure on the authorities, on the police, um, to find the ones uh, believed uh, who ordered the killings. And through our investigations, through our reporting, we were able to deconstruct the events leading up to the murder and on the day of the murder and after the murder. Uh, what you're looking at is a shed or a pota former potato shed where the alleged suspects uh, were said to be masterminding the murder. Um, we, what we also found, and it was very important, is that in this bar, Ferdinand's, um, the current economy minister of, of Malta, Chris Cardona, met with one of the alleged suspects after the murder, at least twice. Um, what we also investigated, of course, were stories that Daphne was investigating, and one of those were, was the alleged pass the, the not alleged, sorry, so-called passport scheme, which is a scheme developed um, for rich individuals uh, that have at least a million euros or so to buy citizenship of Malta, and with this citizenship of the European Union, visa-free travel to well over 100 countries. Um, this, was, this scheme began under the government of Joseph Muscat, the, the current prime minister, and uh, very, uh, one of the things that we found was that um, regarding this one condition for getting the citizenship, which was connection with Malta, uh, actually some of the new citizens just sort of rented a mailbox apartment or a shady apartment somewhere in Malta to prove that they are actually, you know, that they have big connections with it. So it, it does appear that this scheme is not as watertight as it should be. Um, this company, a company that had a big role in this passport scheme was, is Nexia BT, owned by Brian Tona. Uh, it is actually one of the many agents that are offering citizenship to you know, any of you if you have a million euros. Um, the same company, Nexia BT, uh, facilitated opening of companies to some of the passport buyers, and they also have an account at Pilatus Bank. Pilatus Bank received the banking license in Malta uh, in 2013 after Joseph Muscat became prime minister. And actually, during that time, its owner, Ali Sadr, was already being investigated by FBI. And he was arrested in the United States um, a little over a month ago on charges of alleged breaching of sanctions unrelated to Pilatus Bank. What we also confirmed was that in Pilatus Bank, the majority of the clients, or a big chunk of the very wealthy clients, had strong connections with Azerbaijan, actually, with its elite, um, also with the daughters of the president, Ilham Aliyev. A lot of big deals uh, traveled in transactions through this bank, um, and uh, actually this is not the only connection uh, between Azerbaijan and Malta. There is also the Maltese energy deal, um, where Sokar, the Azerbaijani state oil and gas company, is providing gas 
although it doesn't own it, or it doesn't have it, it's just serving as an intermediary. It has a 10-year monopoly deal, and the gas being sold to Malta is, according to our calculations and sources, um, about twice the market price. Um, this was actually the last investigation that Daphne Caruana Galizia was working on before she was killed. So after we published, um, we started publishing um, government politicians in Malta, of course, uh, claimed that we were part of the opposition and fueled, fueled by them or, or paid by them to do this work. They perceived the Daphne project really as a, yeah, as a hostile project. Um, so it caused a lot of stir in, in Malta. The Prime Minister um, Muscat actually said in an interview that the best response to the Daphne project would be together as a united country on 1st of May. So actually two days before, so last Sunday, thousands went to the streets of Valletta to pro protest against corruption and money laundering in, in Malta. Um, the pressure needs to, be, needs to be there also from European authorities. Um, and, uh, and actually Europol sent a letter complaining about um, or saying that there would be room for improvement with regards to uh, collaboration of the police in Malta. The EU Commission said that they would send its justice commissioner to check at, uh, on the anti-money anti laundering uh, investigations there and the EU Council actually said that they would um, install a special rapporteur to follow very closely the investigations into her murder. Before we finish, we would like to address um, the elephant in the room, which is the media environment in Europe. In the past year, three journalists were killed in the European Union. Kim Wall, Swedish journalist, Daphne Caruana Galizia, Maltese journalist, Jan Kuciak in Slovakia, Slovakian investigative journalist uh, who was working with OCCRP, and his fiance that had nothing to do with her work. We think that Europe is not paying enough attention to the fact that its media environment is slowly but surely disintegrating. There are some good examples, but there are many, many bad examples. This is serious. This means that any of us can, can be and are fair game. We used to look at colleagues in other countries, in you know, less democratic or less developed countries, and say, oh my God, they're imprisoning them. They're killing them with impunity. But this is happening here, in Europe, now. We need to address it. We need to address it swiftly and forcefully. Um, this is not only a question of media or journalists. It's a question of the European publics. It's the question for European politicians. It's the question for Brussels, for Strasbourg, for all national governments. This needs to be addressed seriously. Thank you.
Thank you. Your applause means that maybe the European publics also are realizing that this is a problem. And we need the European publics now in all countries across Europe. We need to sound the alarm and we need to join in unison to fight this. We should not wait for the fourth victim of this terrible situation. Thank you. So, um, if you have any questions, he's got it. Uh, Are there any questions, please? Oh, yeah, here in front. Freelancer DW, Deutsche Welle. I have a question for you working uh, for Slovenia. Do you, uh, do you uh, try to do the same project for Jan Kuciak as you did for Daphne? I'm from Slovenia, not Slovakia. Ah, pardon. But uh, OCCRP was working on many projects with Jan Kuciak. Our reporters were forced to go under police protection right after his murder because I will not name, but a journalist somewhere published details about this ongoing investigation and some of our journalists were literally threatened. So, uh, but just like with Daphne project, with anything else, I think the responsible thing in investigative journalism in these situations is that we need to take a deep breath, stand back, investigate, and come out when we're ready. Hi. Hello? Yes. Uh, hi. My name is Bastian. I'm a freelance journalist. Come here. Um, I want to know how did you manage to arrange uh, the work with the sources of uh, Daphne, and how uh, could you be, uh, how did you organize the whole journalistic work? Uh, that's it. So, um, yeah, we got in touch with, uh, with some of the sources that Daphne had. Um, we got a lot of hints as well, because Malta is a very small country, so if, if all of a sudden there is like a group of foreign journalists running around, um, it's, take, it's noted. Um, so a lot of people contacted us as well. Um, with regards to the question um, of how we organized, um, we worked on a collaborative platform which is encrypted and it's, you can comment, you can post documents, videos, um, there's different threads, so it's a, it's a, it's a very nice um, secure environment uh, where you can work with a lot of people um, and really save the work as well. And then we had uh, signal groups for the different leads, um, but you know, that was more kind of for breaking stuff or uh, like a very uh, things that happened on a short notice. I am want to want to. Yeah. Thanks for your talk. Um, I'm, I'd be inter uh, interested in some more information about the results of all the work that was done. So, I mean, you said we need to have awareness, yes, but we need also uh, to hold those accountable who uh, 
are responsible for the, this deed, I mean the murder for in the first place and then the corruption and everything. So can you tell us a little bit more about the results on the justice side and on the media side? Has there, any, uh, has there been any, any story that was really uh, had an effect on, on uh, those accountable? Thanks. So, um, so three men were arrested in December. Um, and they are actually on trial now in Malta. But many um, believe that they were ordered. They just did the dirty work. And um, what we found, for example, in our investigation um, into her murder was that um, police believe that they are connected to the organized crime, these three men. Um, but the family, for example, thinks that doesn't make sense because Daphne never really worked on organized crime. Um, so they don't see the motive. Um, we, amongst many, many uh, uh, people in, in Malta, believe that, that they, there must be some connection um, to, uh, to people who ordered the killing. But actually, um, what we found also is that the police is not investigating any of the connections for example, to the, uh, to the politics, to the politicians. They're not following up. No, nobody of the people that, um, that we mentioned here um, have ever been questioned. Nobody um, Daphne reported on has ever been summoned by the police uh, to check you know, whether there's any connection. So um, wh what we keep saying is that you really, we need to keep the pressure on the police to do their work. Um, it's kind of a pattern in, in Malta that um, things are not followed through by the police because the police is connected to the prime minister's office. It's directly under the prime minister's office. So if you know, the prime minister doesn't want anything to go further, it doesn't go further. What I think is also very important here is that to, to understand is obviously we are dealing with a, with, a, not with a state, right? So it's up to also the forces and the authorities within a state that something gets done. We can strive for impact as journalists, and we can try to do our best, but we are not those responsible for bringing people to justice. But we can investigate and we can, well, we cannot physically bring them to justice. We are not judges and we don't want to be, you know? We have our own opinions, strong opinions, and we are working very hard to investigate. But in the end, it comes down to the country, so to national authorities, and of course to Europe, because we're talking about European Union member states. And Europe itself, and this was one of the points I was trying to make in the end, has to step up. It's, you know, and not just cosmetic, send a delegation there. Yeah, form a commission. That's all good, but it's too slow. We need swift action. My opinion. Die nächste Frage hier in der Mitte des Saals. Um, hi. In a long article uh, in a Swiss magazine called Das Magazin, I read some speculation that it might have something to do with fuel smuggling, the murder. Did you look into that? Uh, we cannot talk about this at the, this moment. <laughs> Good. Sorry. 